Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former D3 student athlete and co-host... Ryan Gamp! Two-man monster flush! Off the inbound! Ryan Gam Slam Jam! Find us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at TheFinalScore35. There is always plenty to run through, but before we get to it, a word from our presenting sponsor. Service from the heart to become your Realtors for Real Life is Team Anders Realtors' mission. Team Anders helps its clients find the home that best fits their needs and makes the process simple and fun along the way. Team Anders will be in close communication with you personally taking care of your real estate needs through technology, marketing, and advertising. They have served thousands of clients over 30 plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area, and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. All right, we have got a full podcast tonight. So many things to talk about. Baseball, playoffs, NHL started, we're not really going to talk about that. NBA starting, who really cares? College football starting to come to a peak. CFP rankings come out in a couple weeks. NFL, still some shocking stuff happening. First, want to just take a second to recognize and say an RIP to Matt Zanstra, Ryan's former teammate, unfortunately, passed away from a tragic accident. Great kid, you know, sad to see a young man knocked down in his prime Thoughts and prayers out to the Zanster family. Um, just a, a parent's worst nightmare. And we're thinking about you, Chuck and Linda and family. And uh, Matt, take care of, of all your loved ones up there from heaven as an angel. All right. Moving into sports and a less serious note. Ryan, podium is yours. Yeah. Um, I'm going to talk about unrealistic expectation sports. There's so many. Um from players to coaches to GMs to fans. There's so many unrealistic expectations. I'm going to stick more in the football realm uh, with this one, but especially with coaches. I mean, I think we had a conversation about this a long time ago, um, maybe in the summer, about how long until a coach should be let go. Um, But, yeah, I think coaches are given less and less wiggle room nowadays and room for error. Um, You look at USC. I mean, Helton, he's kind of been on the hot seat for a while. Um, Struggle a little bit to start the season gone, just like that. Coach O, uh, a guy that literally had one of the best, if not the best, uh, college football team ever assembled two seasons ago. Um, let go from, from LSU. Don't know even know if he's finishing the season. Haven't really heard much on that. But in every wins a game nonetheless. I mean, crazy stuff. Um, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, what, I get it if a guy's losing – has a losing season three years in a row, but if he has one, like LSU's four and three, they just beat their rival who was ranked in Florida, um, and now he's gone. They're four and three or whatever right now. Um, who who's not to say they get to nine and three or eight and four, and that's a pretty decent season. It's like Nebraska; they expect eleven wins every year, and it's not realistic. It, same with USC. Same with Texas. I mean, they go through coaches like it's water. Um, unbelievable to me that. That donors are this and fans are this just uh, bewitch. I don't even know what word to say. This it's a witch hunt. Uh, they just want to win and it doesn't happen. I mean, it takes a lot. I mean, 
teams just don't win right away. It's things take time to build culture, all that stuff. It's just ridiculous. It happens in the NFL all the time. Guys are given a year or two gone. Um, Lions do it all the time. NBA happens all the time. College basketball, maybe a little more wiggle room in that. Um, but in football especially, it's ridiculous. So it's only going to get worse, I'm afraid, with the way people are nowadays. Yeah, and with college athletes getting paid and the, the pressure's on, it's a money sport, and unfortunately, that's what's driving a lot of these decisions, uh, which is ridiculous. Speaking of ridiculous, my podium. Bravo, Tennessee football fans. Bravo. And I'm, no, I'm not talking about the Titans. Great win last night against the, the Bills. I'm talking about you Vols fans. You drive a coach out on a witch hunt before he even has the press conference. And then the coup de grace, the stupidity of all stupidity, the how much moonshine have you been drinking at the tailgate moment of the year. What in the absolute you-know-what were you thinking? Yeah, I get it. You were spurned by your lover, Lane Kiffin. He was going to rescue your program as of the last five or six coaches. That's another program Ryan could have mentioned in his mm-hmm. podium. Get over yourself, Tennessee. You suck. You haven't been good in a long time. You had Peyton Manning. You had a natty the year after he left. You haven't been since. So what do you do when you don't like a call? Booing is normal. You won't even want to say you know, BS and we'll use, you know, and use the words. Fine. Get it. Understand. I understand frustration as a fan. You want to yell at the refs. You want to scream obscenities at the ref till you, so you feel better. Fine. You do not, under any circumstances, throw things on the field. And to the moron jackass who had a golf ball in his pocket, what in the F were you thinking going into a football game with a golf ball in your pocket? And shame on you, SEC. You find them two hundred fifty grand. Great, yay. Tennessee's worth about $140 million a year in sports revenue. Two hundred fifty grand is a spit in the ocean. It's an embarrassment. And guess how many fans give two you-know-whats and are going to change their behavior? None. You want to do this the right way? I'll tell you the right way to do it. And some people are going to complain. Oh, well, you can't punish the people who do right. And, and that's it's just a small percentage and you should look on camera. There's no way you can look on the cameras and catch all these idiots that did this. I'm telling you your solution for the rest of the year. Don't know how many home games you have left. Probably three or four. No fans. Is it a, is it a harm to your football team? You bet. Because we're seeing this year exactly what it means to have a home field advantage. Would it be too bad for the players? Yep, because they didn't do anything to deserve it. But you small number of idiots, the only way you're going to get through their heads is to empty that stadium. Then it hits Tennessee in the pocketbook. Then it hits Tennessee from the TV perspective. Then it hurts them from the fan perspective. That's the way you make it hurt. You can punish Tennessee officials all you want and say you need more security. How many Axiom security guys can you have? Not enough for 100,000 freaking drunk-ass idiots. Even if this was only a couple of hundred people, I don't care. Ban those that you can find, great. I say ban everybody for the rest of the year. Send a message that this will not be tolerated and get rid of that nonsense. There is no place for it in sports, period. All right. Obviously, off to an angry start in my podium. Ryan and I both have penalty flags to throw. 
Um, mine is a little bit more anger on a, on a topic that is near and dear to my heart and listeners know that I love to talk about. But first, I will let Ryan throw a flag on whom and tell you why. Yeah, um, mine, quick, uh, Ben Simmons, um, ongoing saga uh, since the playoffs last year um, for the 76ers. Um, he was basically chastised for being terrible. Um <laughs> And for lack of better words, uh, by 76 fans, by NBA fans, um, and people wanted him out. He kind of said that he wanted out of Philly, um, and they're keeping him. Uh, they won't trade him, and he's been showing up to practice, not practicing. Um, and today they told him to jump in some drills. He said no. Then they asked him again. He said no. They said, well, you can go home. He said, okay. Leaves the arena, practice really, whatever. Um, gets tossed out. Um, and yeah, he, they're saying he's a distraction, all the stuff, which he is obviously who would want him in the first place. I don't know why anyone would want to trade for him now. Um, but he's suspended now by the 76ers. I think they should just not pay him honestly, um, at all until he shows up and takes it like a man. Um, just ridiculous stuff. Joel Embiid waiting. He's like, it's not my job to babysit here. Um, he can do whatever he wants. He's like, it's not my job. That's the front office job. We're just going to focus on winning. Good for him. But it's ridiculous. This guy's a, supposed to be a professional. He's acting like a child. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And, I mean, dude, you're getting paid millions of dollars to play a game. Yeah. Get over yourself or go away, period. All right, I'm going to throw a flag on Washington State University for firing their coach with cause because he refused to get the COVID vaccine. Now, I understand that the state of Washington made it a mandate for state employees. This gentleman works for the Washington, worked for Washington State University, a state school. Therefore, he fell into the mandate. They refused his um, <coughs> appeals, excuse me, as to why he shouldn't have to have the vaccine. Some people in the media are saying, you know, dude, it was really simple. Just get the vaccine and you don't have to impact your players and your team and your program that way. But yet, where are you, rest of the media, who's applauding Kyrie Irving, who, I don't mind that he's doing this, refuses to get the vaccine and therefore won't practice and can't play when they're at home. That's half their games, and that's most of the time when they're practicing, um, because he refuses to get it as a statement for um, people to kind of speak out against it. So on one hand, you've got Kyrie, who people are kind of saying, hey, bravo, you're taking a stand for, for you know, for people that you care about, but yet we're chastising this coach from Washington State University because he made a personal choice. We've already seen RIP Colin Powell. He had the vaccine. He died of COVID complications. Stop. It is not a cure-all. It is not the be-all, end-all. Shove your mandates. Shove your making people do things against their will. This is not a socialist republic. This is the United States of America. We are not socialists here. This is not the 1940s. We're not about to go into, go into World War II or World War III because we have socialist beliefs. No. Knock it off. And I hope somebody hires this guy and brings him on because I think he was doing some decent things for the Cougs this year. And if anybody is ridiculing him for making a personal choice, maybe it's his morals, maybe it's his religious beliefs, maybe it's his medical beliefs, whatever the case may be, Stay out of it. It's not your call. It's not your decision. And if you're going to chastise him, you damn well better chastise people like Kyrie Irving as well. All right, so two flags, a couple impassioned pleas on some idiocy. 
Captain's weighing in upstairs because he completely agrees with both Ryan and I. We are going back to around the world, as we talked about last week, because we've got a lot to cover. We're going to go back to five spots. We're going to get into some Big Ten basketball. We got Big Ten football. We got college football. We've got the NFL. We've got our pick'em contest. We got a full slate. So Ryan, let's get into it. First down, as has always been the case, let's uh, run through the Big Ten. Um, and last week that was in football. A little lighter week. There were what? Uh, one, two, three, four, four buys. I think it was <clears throat> last week. There's another five buys this week. Um, no, no, sorry, there were five last week, and there are four more this week. Sorry, I was a week behind. Um, so not as many games in particular to talk about. We'll do as we usually do, just kind of go back and forth here. Um, I'll go first. Let's see, so a game last week. Um, ultimately, the epic wah, 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 dud, and probably could have seen it coming, and national media have been calling for it to happen for a few weeks now. Iowa laid an absolute egg at home against Purdue, who, <clears throat> fun fact of the day, has now won nine times as an unranked team against the AP number two team in the country. Nine times to borrow a line from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Nine times. The next best team is four. Purdue, anybody who's number two, the rest of the way that's to play Purdue. Just I'm like Ryan said, I'm sorry. Purdue was impressive. Purdue owned that game. Purdue played three quarterbacks. They're they're down to like one scholarship running back. They just shredded a vaunted Iowa pass defense who had led the and still may you know led the NCAA in interceptions. Um, David Bell just was unstoppable. Was a stud. Their starting quarterback threw for three seventy five, and yet they still played three quarterbacks. Um, Purdue's defense was great. Iowa just, Iowa was exposed for what Ryan and I have thought might expose them all along. A team with a very good defense, but no margin for error on offense. As soon as Purdue put the pedal to the metal and took that lead, especially even when it got to 10 points, if I'm an Iowa fan, I would have started to sweat because you're just, they're just not built for that. Yeah, they're not built to play from Petrus, not a very good quarterback. Um, you know, they've got a pretty decent running game, but it's not, you know, a vaunted vintage Iowa running game. They don't have any game-breaking wide receivers. They don't have the next great, you know, Hawkinson or whatever tight end there. They just don't have an offense. They've they've not evolved their offense like everybody else in, in some respects. Okay, that's their identity. But, man, when you get behind the eight ball like they did, you know, it, it was it – was, in a way, shocking how it went down. Not surprising necessarily that they lost because Purdue has owned Iowa for the last five years. And in fact, it was the last loss Iowa had a year ago. Some like 12 or 13 games or whatever the streak was. But um, yeah, kudos to Purdue for, for that. And one other question on that game is, what? can I just ask what Kirk Frentz and Iowa was thinking late in the game, late-ish in the game, you know, early fourth quarter. You're down three scores, so you're down 17 points. Do the math. There's your three scores. You got to score three times. You're fourth and a long two from your own, you know, 15 ish or so. And you run a quarterback sneak, I think, twice in a row. Kick the damn field goal. Get it to a two possession game. What? I don't understand these coaches who are trying to go for the gut. No, just swallow your medicine, kick the field goal, get a little momentum on your side. Instead, you get stopped. Purdue turns right around and. 
I, they might have even turned it over pretty quickly, but then they sacked you a couple times in a row. I mean, it's just, and then Iowa threw three picks in the fourth quarter. Uh, you deserve to lose that game. Uh, it was it's it's too bad for the Big Ten because I think it really hampers their ability to get two teams potentially in the argument for the playoff. Even if Iowa wins out, the West is garbage. Um, I think Iowa would have to win out and win the Big Ten, in which case probably the Big Ten East team would have two losses because, I mean, Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan are going to beat up on each other over the next five weeks. So that's my take on that game, Ryan. I don't know if you have anything to add or you want to jump to the next game. Yeah, uh, just disappointing for (laughs) Iowa. Uh, We we were very high on them. Obviously, defensively, they're still very good. Their offense is abysmal, uh, to say the least. But, But, yeah, just interesting game there, Purdue. Show that they've got something now they're ranked. I mean, flip the script script real quick, and now the West becomes wide open. Um, Minnesota's up there. Purdue's up there. I mean, it could be any of those three. I mean, Wisconsin's uh, also a life. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be crazy down the stretch here, even though it might not be as eye candy sexy as the East. Um, but still, speaking of Wisconsin, took care of Army uh, in a rock fight, pretty close. Um, quick game, a lot of running. Um, but took him down. I thought the Army would get him. Wisconsin's looked better the last couple of weeks, but still not great. They don't have a pass game at all. Um, but we'll see. Northwestern, impressive turnaround. I didn't think they had a shot at all against Rutgers. <clears> the <throat> win 21 7. Um, got Michigan next week. I think their air attack is getting a little better. See how they handle Michigan. Uh, don't think that they will get the win, but could put up a fight uh, with that offense if it's playing the way it should. And their defense is always solid, so. Yeah, pretty interesting, too, because a lot of the picks that we had this week, Ryan and I went against them in our own pick from our original picks. And, like, that was a game that we, we originally had Rutgers losing in Northwestern, but I think we both picked Rutgers to win. Um, another one was Nebraska-Minnesota, which I'll talk about next. I think we both had Minnesota beating Nebraska at the start of the season. Then we thought, oh, no, Nebraska's going to get them. They're due. They've been snake bit. They lost another game by less than a touchdown. Every one of their five losses this year by less than a touchdown. They cannot get out of their own way. And, Ryan, I, I meant to look, and I didn't, to see if Martinez I'm had a turnover. Um, I know that he took a safety at some point. I mean, he's getting rushed, and he just kind of chucked it out from from the end zone, um, out, way out of bounds, nowhere near the line of scrimmage or whatever, and, and took a safety. But um, No turnover. No turnover for the first time, and yet they still – the first time in his Big Ten career that he didn't turn it over. And Minnesota's on their third running back. I think he went for like 127. Um, you know, Tanner, what's his name, their quarterback. Um, he had like 20 completions. Yeah, in or went off and made some really nice throws. You know, Minnesota just kind of keeps rising up there um, and finding a way to win when after they shocked us all by losing to Bowling Green. I think they've been kind of flying under the radar a little bit um, in that respect. Um you know they beat Purdue, so I think Minnesota might be on top of that division right now, and it's it's, it's just interesting. I think you know we kind of Ryan and I joked that we thought the Illinois loss maybe put the nail in uh, Scott Frost's yeah, coffin, but I mean I, I show me where they get more than one more win if they're lucky enough to get a win. I mean they still have uh, they have a bye this week, but they have Purdue, they have Ohio State, Iowa. they have Wisconsin, and they have Iowa, and they've got to win one of those to go bowling. No, no, more Two. than that. They're they're three and five. They got to win three. three. Yeah, they got to go three and one no in those. Chance. There's no, there's just no way. And I just don't because of the expectations thing that Ryan said 
realistic or not, they're going to fire him and they're going to start all over again and they're going to be in the same place in four years. I mean, at some point in time, you just accept the fact that it takes a little while to build a program and you got to get the right guys in there and and go from there. Um, I think Frost is proven. I don't think he's necessarily a bad coach. But, you know, when you inherit what you inherit and you run a completely different system, I think their defense has gotten certainly better and, and, and more apropos of a Nebraska defense, but their offense is not. And, you know, maybe you say, oh, well, he's had three recruiting cycles and he hasn't filled it in and he's had transfers and whatever, but that is a train wreck in, the, yeah. in Nebraska my, and, and start thinking about uh, who's going to coach there next. Yeah, my biggest thing with Nebraska <clears> is, I mean, yeah, I mean, they've had – they've been unlucky, you can say that, but – I don't think it's you really, make your own. Luck, it's, not, it's not unlucky um, when there's just an inevitable bad play coming every game mm-hmm. that you know you can always stop on fourth and one against you know Minnesota the the fumble punt against return. Michigan the punt return against Michigan, Michigan State, State. Yep. I mean the fielded punt inside the in the end zone against or against Illinois I'm sorry they just figure out ways to lose it's mm-hmm. it's getting kind of old and I. They might need a culture shift. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do if they fire Frost. I don't know where they're going to look um, if they go like from like a mid-major school or something. I don't know what they're going to do. It's, it's I don't know who would want that job. I mean, it's I, it's like LSU to me. It's like USC to me. It's so hard to please everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a cycle, three to four. Te- years Texas, cycle. same thing. I mean, it's, the, the yeah. expectations are unrealistic. Nebraska fans are phenomenal. Their facilities are great, but it's in the middle of nowhere it's bfe people i mean if you've never been there's nothing around it a cornfields i mean there's nothing and so good luck recruiting somebody to that location anymore they want you know yeah everybody's on tv so you can't use that you know back in the day when nebraska was a powerhouse you could use that as a recruiting pool you can't use that anymore everybody's on tv um i just i don't unless they ride it out with frost and give them like a bona fide couple of more years you know, throw the COVID year out and give him basically a good five years to figure it out. Uh, you know, can he do that much damage staying there for another couple of years compared to what you already are? I, I don't know. I don't Unless, so. again, you need a culture shift. And but, but let's face it, like for every Mel Tucker who can do it in a hurry, and he didn't have, I mean, he put his own culture in place. It's not like Michigan State was, you know, in dire straits like they were when John L. Smith or Bobby Williams was there. You know, D'Antonio was a good coach. He hadn't recruited very well towards the end, but, you know, culturally it was still good. But for every Mel Tucker who becomes a hot guy because he's 7-0 and with a team that wasn't very good the year before and didn't have high expectations, there's a million guys who are like Scott Frost. And, I mean, it's just it's unrealistic. And, unfortunately, you know, they, they'll look and point to it like, well, if he can do it, why can't you do it? I think there's a lot of things that go into it that we're not privy to. Um, you know, look, it's good for college football if schools and programs like Nebraska and Florida and USC and Texas are good. It is because they're, they're quote unquote blue bloods. I mean, Nebraska is one of the winningest programs, but a measure of reality needs to set in. I'm not sure that Nebraska has that and we'll see what way they go. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just, I, I, I don't know. Short of them going back to the old triple option. You know, like they won with in droves with Osborne. I mean, what do they do? What do they do? Um, so that leaves the other game in the Big Ten. Um, and speaking of good teams, find ways to win even when they don't have their A game, at least on you know on one side of the ball. That's Michigan State. I mean, call it what you will. It wasn't pretty, but it was impressive to me. 
You're facing a hungry, wounded Indiana team coming off of a bye, ready to scheme, a pretty dang good defense. That's the first time I really paid that much attention. Their defense really was pretty stout. Um, you know, they figured some things out, you know, that other teams I'm sure will look at. But now Michigan State gets a bye week to to kind of re-scheme their own way, um, you know, going into the rest of the season. But, um, you know, Michigan State's defense has taken a lot of heat for its bend but don't break, but yet I believe is in the top 20 or so in the nation in four or five key statistical categories. Key things like sacks per game, points allowed yards per game, per you know, yards per play. So, you know, when you give up 400 yards of offense, that's fine. But, I mean, if you're not giving up points or you're only giving up, I think, red zone percentage, they're less than 50% of red zone possessions end up in a touchdown against them. You know, that was impressive. And Michigan State's defense is coming along. And they're going to need to be there for the stretch, right? It's not going to be an easy stretch. I mean, they could win any one of their last five. They could lose any one of their last five. Um, you know, in that game, Thorne didn't have his best. He was pressing it a little bit. You know, he, he didn't get helped out early. Reed dropped a what was a sure walk-in long touchdown. Um, you know, Indiana, give him credit, they bottled up Walker. He got free a little bit more in the second half, I would say. Um, but, you know, they dialed up some key plays. You know, Tyler Hunt, who's a lefty, throws a right-handed rolling out, tight end pass to the quarterback who mosses it, high points it, gets a toe down. Um, you know, and that's what it takes to win games, and that's the thing that it factor that Nebraska doesn't have. Good teams find a way to win when they don't have their A game, and that's what happened for Michigan State, I would say, at Indiana. Yeah, just impressed with the way they find a way to win. Obviously pretty ugly. Um, played terribly offensively, probably the worst they have all year, aside from Nebraska in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, and they still found a way to win. Uh, definitely impressive. 7-0 is not bad in the least bit. Um, huge, 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 huge game um, on the 30th against Michigan. Um, should be fun. But the, the guy that I'm most impressed with for Michigan State, I think, on the defensive side of the ball, it's Jacob Ponishuk. I mean, we knew he was good. And Jacob Slade. Yeah, but I'll, I'll stick with Ponishuk. He... Um, he has 45 quarterback hurries this season. That is 10 more than the closest guy um, in college football. That's pretty impressive for a guy that had has been he's been really good for his career, but he hasn't been like this. He hasn't been showcases that premier defensive end, and he's showing that he can. But he's playing himself into the NFL. So kudos to him uh, for the way he's playing. And athletic has him as a midseason second team All America, um, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, Jacob Slade and the, the rotation in the middle, I mean, I think that's what's going to um, really give them a good chance to kind of slow down Michigan's run game and make McNamara break them down from the air. We'll talk a lot more about that game next week. Might have to have its own down completely just because of the state fans that we are. But, um, you know, fun little precursor stat for that one. Assuming Michigan takes care of business against Northwestern, it will be the first time since 1964 that both teams come into that game in the top Pretty phenomenal. So that is the Big Ten at a glance. Um, Always fun stuff going on there. We'll get into the picks for this week coming up. The nice thing is after this week where there's four buys, there's only a few more buys on the calendar, so we are back to a full slate for the Big Ten. Moving on to college football at large, just a couple of roundabout thoughts. I mean, we talked about the Tennessee thing, which, which took away from the fact that that was a great game. And what in the hell was Joe Milton doing running out of bounds on the last play of the game? I mean... Uh, duh. I mean, you're trying to win the game and he runs out of bounds. I mean, why? What you sell out to try to score a touchdown there, but then you had games like Alabama. They throttled Mississippi State. Yeah, Good back bounce back for them. Bounce back. 
Texas, everybody, including myself, thought maybe, okay, well, they'll get it right against, you know, a pretty good Oklahoma State team. Nope, they only play half of football. They've yeah, only played a half of football in every game. Um, you know, I mean, you had the Iowa loss. You had how many? I think there were like seven more top no, 25 yeah, losses or something like that last week. Everywhere. Yeah, I mean, the Pac-12 was a mess. Arizona State got off to a big lead and then completely yeah. gagged on it and lost to Utah. Utah's the only undefeated team in the Pac-12. Oregon barely won on Friday night against Cal. I'd have a late goal line stand. Um, Georgia's for real. I know that. Oklahoma's looking mighty fantastic with Caleb Caleb Williams Williams, at quarterback. I will say, give me a break. Kirk Herbstreet and your love fest that he should be the Heisman front runner after whatever, seven quarters of football. That is an earned award over the course of the season. Maybe, you know, if he ends up continuing on that pace towards the end, he gets to be in the conversation. But give me a break. I mean... Some of the media hype fest, and that's what happened to a Spencer Rattler. Like, the media was all over him, like, oh, he's the best thing, and then you cast him aside. It's unrealistic expectations. I mean, these these guys are, even though they might not look 18, they're still kids, young men at the time. And um, But, yeah, college football has been just one hell of a ride. Um, you know, kind of a fun stat, and then I'll let Ryan weigh in a little bit. We've already seen the most top 25 losses at this point of a season. So, you know, roughly a little right around the halfway point um, in the AP era. So that's like 80-some years. I mean, unreal. We love it. We asked for, you know, no clear-cut Alabama, which we have. We asked for no more Clemson, which we have. Um, we still have some good SEC dominance in, in a Georgia for sure. That's got a remarkable defense, but the rest of it's pretty dang wide open, and it is makes it a fun, fun thing to sit on the couch and just flip through the channels on Saturday. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, Georgia, like I said before, they're for real. Um, definitely the best team in America. Cincinnati, number two. Um, I think they're a really good football team. And obviously, if they went out, they're probably going to make the playoff, which is going to be kind of cool to get that group of five team in there. Um, Arkansas, a team that started off really hot ever since that Georgia game. They've been on a snide, haven't won since um, losing that game. Um, lost to Auburn. Yeah, Auburn looking better them. and better yeah, since that Penn State Penn loss. State, yeah. That win for Penn State looked good. But, yeah, college football is crazy. Can't wait for more of it. Yeah, going to be fun. Um, so let's shift to um, our third spot in Around the World with the NFL, as we usually do. Keep it a little bit brief just because we got to get into some hoops here in a minute. Um, you know, crazy stuff. Like we both, I think pretty vehemently declared the bills as the best team, at least in the AFC, um, last week on the pod, then they go and they lose uh, a close, exciting game to Tennessee. Now, Tennessee does have just an absolute machine of a tailback. I mean, the dude is, he's otherworldly, um, but, you know, just when you think you kind of have some things figured out, you don't. Kansas City goes and gets things right, you know, against a decent Washington team. Jacksonville snaps a 20-game losing streak um, and wins in London. You know, they're home away from home. Um, Denver gets absolutely smashed by the Raiders, who changed head coaches, you know, in the middle of the week with controversy. Um, I mean, that's just the AFC and the in the NFC, you got the Cardinals at five, five or six and zero. Oh. I mean, six and zero oh. um, handled the Browns in Cleveland. Cleveland's kind of fallen on the on hard times. You know, I saw today that Baker Baby's Mayfield banged up, might yeah. not go. I mean, he may be out for a period of time. He's got the torn up left shoulder. You know, they lost Kareem Hunt. They, you know, they've been fighting a lot of injuries. It's a that's a talented football team that is struggling. 
Um, you know, the Bengals absolutely destroyed the Lions. The Lions looked like an absolute high school team. Um, Jared Goff. Yeah, I mean, it, it's I, I can't even imagine how bad it's going to get this week against the Rams. I mean, Stafford's going to throw for five touchdowns in maybe the first quarter. Uh, the Lions, now granted, they've had like 14 guys go on the IR. Some of their better players are on IR. They've got dog meat for wide receivers. No offense to the guys that are there because they're trying hard. But, I mean, what they what they didn't re-sign and then what's out. And I've never even really heard of the guys that are out that are supposed to be their better receivers. <laughs> I mean, it is it is a mess. Goff doesn't do anything but check down. Um, their defense, you know, they can keep them in games for a little while, but after a while, they're kind of like, screw this, man. You're not going to help us out. We're, you know, I, I just, it, they're not going to win again this year. I will, I'm going to predict that Ryan and I were looking yeah, for, we were looking for that on a, on a sports book to see if we could put some money on that. I, I just don't see it happening. I mean, I don't even know how they're going to luck into a win with the schedule that they've got left. Um, you know, my other thing, and then I'll let Ryan weigh in on NFL, is, you know, if you if you are a Minnesota fan or maybe you caught the end of that game because it was a little extra time on Fox the other day after the Lions debacle, the Vikings, come on. Hmm. They let up a 96-yard drive and two-point conversion for the Panthers to tie it late, late, late in that game. Now, Impressive stat. Minnesota, two teams are two for 34 on third down conversions in the second half against Minnesota this year. However, the Panthers hit two huge fourth down conversions, including a 40-yarder from their own four-yard line. They score. They get led into that game. I mean, I don't know what Zimmer's thinking. He gets conservative at the end. They try for a field goal that they missed. I think that's why it went to overtime because actually Cousins drove him down the field and put him in position. Um, again, I've said it a few times here because obviously, like like uh, Kirk, know him personally a little bit. I've met him a few times, worked with him a little bit back in my old Amway days. Great guy, um, and I think gets a hard knock from fans and stuff as a quarterback. Now, let me tell you, I would trade him to take him over Goff any <laughs> day of the week. Yep. Um, you know, put his put his team in position to be five and one at this point in time, and they're just three and three. I think because of coaching decisions, but. It's like sometimes I look at these coaches. And I'm like, what in the heck are they thinking? They get paid all this money. I mean, I get there's analytics and there's things like that at times, and they got somebody weighing in their ear. But some of this is just common sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's there's just a heart attack waiting to happen. I mean, every game has been close. Um, even the Lions game, they should have probably lost and make a field goal, walk off. But uh, the game I was kind of impressed with was Seattle um, playing without Russell Wilson, Geno Smith, who was. Not a good quarterback. Um, has hardly played in the last five years, and he comes in. They almost gets it done against the Steelers, who's who are an average team at best. I mean, Big Ben not good anymore. They have good skill players, good defense, but they almost did it without him. Uh, fun game to watch for sure. Um, I said it last week. I'm gonna say it again. The Cowboys are very impressive. They found a way to win against New England um, in overtime there. But, I mean, they're impressive. They look like one of the better teams in the NFC. I mean, they're probably going to run away with the East. Um, from the looks of it, I think they're 5-1. and one, And they almost beat Tampa Bay, so they could right. very well be 6-0. and oh. uh, Crazy stuff. But, yeah, just the NFL has been fantastic this season. And we still got 12 weeks of it left. I mean, this is great. 
Yeah, minus teams like the Lions. I mean, it feels like there's a ton of teams that are that are in the it's mix and they're going to scratch and claw <coughs> to be able to make the playoffs. So um, definitely makes it fun to watch on Sunday. Sunday used to be my fall chore day, mow the lawn, you know, put the stuff away for the for the winter type of stuff. But I've had to resort to doing that on Monday evenings before or Tuesdays before the podcast now instead um, because the NFL has been fun to watch. And thank you, Cowboys, for albeit blowing that, coming back and winning that game because that uh, won me a nice little five-game parlay on FanDuel. All right, that is the NFL in the books, our third spot in Around the World. So it would only be apropos Mm -hmm. since we went back to Around the World that we start to talk about Big Ten hoops. Ryan's rubbing his hands together. This um, this will not quite go down the same way as football. It's a little tougher because obviously they play a lot more games. We're not breaking down the schedule. We're just going to kind of give you some some more general things, who to watch for, you know, per, you know, somewhat predictable spots in the top. Maybe sometime in the next four weeks, Ryan and I will sit down with a round-robin Big Ten schedule and, and figure out an actual, you know, prediction win-loss just to, just to kind of have something official. But the way this is going to go for the next few weeks, um, I'm going to take – a team in the fourth spot. Ryan's going to take a team in the fourth spot. Then we're going to do the same in the fifth spot. He's broken down who we're going to cover over the next several weeks. Um, and then who he's going to cover. We're each going to take seven teams. So, yeah, let's get to it, Ryan. Um, why don't you go first? Who are you going to hit us with? Yep, I've got the Maryland Terrapins. Uh, preseason number 21 team. AP poll just came out yesterday. Um, yep, preseason number 21. came Coming off a decent year last year. I mean... They won the first game uh, very close in the second round there against, I think it was Bama, um, I believe. So, I mean, their season squad, I mean, they lost some guys in the league. Wiggins is gone. Um, Morcel has gone. Um, but, I mean, they, they've got guys coming back. Uh, Dante Scott, big guy, he's back. Eric Ayala's back. He's been around the block. Feels like he's been there for a really long time. Hakeem Hart. Um, three guys that have just played a lot and have a lot of experience in the Big Ten, which is invaluable really um when it comes to just the big the, the grind of big 10 basketball um I, I think this is gonna be a top half of the league team i mean precinct number 21 you say oh they should be a top four team but it's coached by mark turgeon who we've talked about in the past who's not necessarily the best coach uh guy that gets a lot of crap uh and from me especially i don't think he's great but they brought in two really good transfers um fats russell from rhode island who was a great defender, scorer for them, small guard, but he can play. Um, watched him a few times for Rhode Island. And Quadis Wahab, big guy um, from Georgetown, who down the stretch helped them get to the tournament um, and winning the Big East. Shot blocker, uh, he can score down low, really big body. And he's young, too. I think he's a, think he's a sophomore. Um, and he's eligible right away. Um, those are two guys that can help them immediately and can help them be successful. Uh, I think more so Wahab. Um, with the big guys that are in this league this year, I mean it's unbelievable the talent at in the in the paint in the Big Ten this year. Um, they have a decent recruiting class coming in. Usually, don't rely too much on freshmen unless they're absolute stars like a Bruno Fernando or a Jalen Smith. Um, but yeah, a guy to watch, a guy that registered last year, James Graham III from from Milwaukee. He's like a six nine wing, stereotypical Maryland guy, just lanky. Um, pretty athletic, probably got a good jump shot, haven't seen him play, but decently favorable non-conference schedule, I mean, looking at it, they play, 
in the in the Bahamas Championship, play Richmond and Louisville or Mississippi State, then Vatech and Florida, their other kind of tough ones. Um, looking at and they're kind of headliners, I guess you'd say. Um, their conference schedule is a little bit more tough sledding when they play Michigan State a couple times, uh, Ohio State a couple times. They only play Michigan once, which is good for them. Um, IU a couple times in there. Illinois twice in a couple weeks um, in January there, but not not a bad looking schedule for Maryland. I think that they, they, they'll definitely make the tournament, I think, in my mind, probably anywhere from a five to an eight seed um, is what I would say at the moment. Um, but yeah, they they look like a good squad, um, but we'll see what happens with the Mark Turgeon led ball club uh, once again. Yeah, good stuff on Maryland. And again, like, uh, like I said, maybe we'll, we'll dig in and, and pick the big 10 a little bit more specifically instead of just the kind of the overview stuff that we're going to give you the, the next few weeks. But uh, I'm going to go with Ohio state as my first team to preview um, you know, gone key contributor, great shooter, great scorer, Grand Rapids guy, um, Dwayne Washington. Not really sure why he decided to go to the pros. Did not get drafted. I don't know if he's playing in the G League or what, but um, you know, kind of difference maker type of guy. That if he had come back, you know, is he a key between difference between you know a, maybe a, a second round or a Sweet Sixteen team and a in a Final Four guy, not necessarily. I mean, but it's just another guy that you had to account for that could score. Obviously, Ohio State, we know, um, one of the few 15 or two seeds to lose to a 15 in tournament history. Thank you. They're the more recent one to can take that um, monkey off Michigan State's back. Mm-hmm. Uh, losing to Oral Roberts last year. But, you know, uh, looking at their starting lineup, they've got Jamari Wheeler, who's a Penn State transfer. Um, tough guard. Good playmaker. He can score the ball a little bit, but mostly he's a distributor. I mean, I think at Penn State, 6.8 points per game, 4.2 rebounds, 3.5 assists, 1.8 steals. So he's kind of a little bit of a, a do-everything guy. He's going to be a setup guy. I think that's going to be super helpful for Ohio State because I think they struggled there at times last year. Um, you know, 12th-year senior Justin Arns, uh, a guard wing. I feel like he's been there forever. Um, but a guy that, you know, can be a knockdown shooter. He can handle the ball a little bit. Um, you know, he started in a fair amount of games last year. Um, not a huge scoring guy, but, you know, I mean, good I mean, good shooter. He was 42.5% behind the arc um, last year, which is pretty phenomenal. So, you know, you, you need a knockdown shooter when you got the inside-out game. Ryan was talking about all the the great bigs, but you got to have knockdown shooters to, to support that. Um, speaking of which, while he's not a center, kind of plays like one. Six seven, call him a wing, call him a forward, call him a post. EJ Liddell, yeah. love that guy's game. Mm-hmm. Just a, he's an absolute brick wall. He's a stud. You know, over sixteen points and five rebounds per game last year, um, and not a bad three point shooter for a no, quote unquote big. Um, you know, I, I think that as he continues to <clears throat> maybe round a little bit more into that wing spot for Ohio State, they're going to be that much better. They can flow the offense through him in the post which is pretty impressive, um, <clears throat> but he, there's definitely a guy. He, I think he's my MVP for, for that team for sure. Um, another forward wing type, you know, long, lanky, just as suing, um, a senior, average double digits last year, another five and a half rebounds per game guy, good shooter, um, almost 50% from the field, over 36% from three-point range. He started all their games. You know, he's one of those Ohio State guys that, 
you say, okay, he's smallish at 6'6", but he can do a yeah, lot of different things. He nice makes player. good plays, you know, and you get him a good setup guy in Wheeler, and, and he could be in for a big season. And then Kyle Young, you know, he's the quote-unquote center. He's only 6'8", um, another undersized big guy, but, you know, he's the glue guy. He, he does a lot of the dirty work. I think he missed some time last year with a concussion maybe. Yeah. Later in the season, might have actually happened against Michigan State. Um, but he's just, he's super unselfish. He makes big plays. He's got a nose for the ball. You know, reserves-wise, they've got um, Cedric Russell, Seth Towns, Joey Brunk. Um, yeah, Joey, Joey Brunk, what does he play he for? He was like at Butler, schools? then IU for <coughs> two years, then oh, say The guy that we really have to remember is Zed Key. Yeah, Zed Key, he for is, sure. That is a He was really player. good. Um, you know, just he's a starting caliber guy for sure. I think, and, and he's a is a great he's a load, great forward. Um, Malachi Branham is a freshman. He was a, a Mr. Ohio basketball coming in. You know, and don't undersell the how well coached Ohio State is. I mean, they are super well coached. They don't necessarily have a roster full of McDonald's All Americans per se, but. You know, and you look at their roster and you just look at their stats, you're like, ah, oh, those sizes don't bother me. I mean, they're like Michigan State light, and that's why I think Michigan State and Ohio State has battled so much over the last several years because they, they recruit similarly and they coach similarly to how Michigan State does. And, <clears throat> I mean, to me, Ohio State, I, I'm pretty sure they were top 20 uh, AP, top 25. I did not look at the yeah. the, the top 25. Um, Ryan can maybe look that up. But, I, I, I mean, I think – um, Ohio State is a, definitely a tournament team. I think they're they're very probably they should have been last year a second weekend team. Are they two seed good? Maybe not. I mean the Big Ten is is loaded. I think we'll get into it a little bit. I think some of the teams are maybe a little overhyped for what they got. Um, no hint on who that might be, uh, but I, the depth is amazing. I mean it's, it's like last year. There's there's legit. 10 tournament caliber teams in the Big Ten that can beat the heck out of each other. Ohio State's preseason is 17, by the way. (laughs) And, you know, the Big Ten last year took a lot of heat. I don't know that they got very many teams out of the first weekend. I mean, Michigan certainly. Um, But, you know, and maybe because they beat up on each other, maybe it's the circumstances. Sometimes, you know, you get in the tournament, it's matchups. But, I mean, Ohio State's got a pretty favorable non-conference schedule. Um, they're playing in the Fort Myers tip-off. They're playing um, teams like you know Bowling Green, Akron, Niagara. I mean, they do have a good game on the road against uh, Xavier and the Gavitt games. Um, you know, they could play Seton Hall or Florida Cal. Um, they will play Duke yep. in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, so we always know that Duke is tough. It's the uh, Mike Krzyzewski farewell tour, so that's not going to be easy. Um, they're playing Kentucky in mid-December, another great game. Um, you know, and Big Ten-wise, I mean, they've got, they, they're, you know, they start off, I think, in January, at least on the road um, at Indiana. They've got, you know, the, kind of the speed. I don't have necessarily the breakdown of who they play once versus twice, but all in all, schedule-wise, um, you know, well, let's look at their end season. The last two games of the year, they're at home, which is good. But they've got Michigan State and Michigan. I mean, those are two um, <coughs> two tough games, and it's their only matchup against Michigan State, who will definitely be better this year. You know, I would say they've got a good mix of easy wins. Um, they got some good potential quad one and two games that they could get in there. 
I think that they're going to be a fun team to watch. I think that they're definitely going to contend. I think I I would peg them in the top four, probably the Big Ten. I'd be surprised if they're if they don't get uh, in the top four of the Big Ten and and you know make a run at somewhere probably in that you know three maybe at worst case six seed range and uh, and kind of make up for that surprising loss last year to Oral Roberts. So that is Ohio State, and that is our fourth spot. So Ryan for our Fifth spot in around the world. Who you got for us, the Big Ten? Yeah, I've got a team uh, mm-hmm. that when we started this podcast last year, we were very high on. Um, I think it was it was the kiss of death. Um, they weren't great after we talked about them and gave them a lot of praise, and that's Northwestern. Uh, a wild card, in my opinion, coming into the Big Ten season. Um, lost one of their best players in Miller Cop, transferred to IU. Um, we'll get into IU next week or the week after. Um, but... They still got some guys. I mean, they returned some pretty good players at that. Uh, Boo Booey's back. I mean, we saw what he did against Michigan State last year. He torched them. Then he was a little cold. Hit or miss the rest of the year. Uh, Audige, uh, he had a good year last year. Ryan Greer, another guy that's been around. Ty Berry, a guy that was good last year. Um, They've still got Ryan Young, big center. Uh, Pete Nance, who was pretty good last year. Uh, A lot of guys that, that have... Experience in the Big Ten, not necessarily the most talented guys, but guys that have been there before and have seen success come and go. Um, but yeah, solid group of big guys that they have, I think. I mean, they're pretty big. Um, like I said, disappointing for the last three quarters of the season last year after a pretty hot start, to be honest with you. But yeah, a team that I think they could be a top. 10 team in the Big Ten, they could be the worst team in the Big Ten. I don't know. Um, should be interesting. I mean, their schedule isn't the most, like, bearing thing ever. I mean, it's not hard. It's They play Eastern Illinois. They play High Point. I mean, they are they play in the Legend Class against Providence, then Georgia's last Virginia. Uh, Virginia's obviously a very solid team. I mean, their Big Ten ACC Challenge team's Wake, who has not been great um, in the last few years. Uh, DePaul, I mean, that's a their other big game the rest of the non-conference a team that's picked up in dead last once again in the Big East so I, their schedule is pretty favorable non-conference wise I mean they'll probably lose a couple in there just because it's Northwestern um, they played Michigan State twice in 13 days to start the Big Ten on January 2nd and 15th could be interesting um, I'm trying to see I mean Ohio State once they only have Michigan once um Illinois a couple times in there, and also in a couple, twice in two weeks. It's weird how that keeps working out for them. Um, but, yeah, decently favorable schedule. Um, I don't necessarily think this is a tournament team by any stretch of the imagination. Maybe an NIT team, um, but I, I'm probably going to lean more towards 11th or 10th place in the Big Ten. I think there's definitely teams worse than them, um, but I, there's so many more teams that are better than them. But I think they got a chance to be decent. Um, could scare some people. I mean, with the firepower they have at, at the guard position, the way they can score, started putting that faster pace last year, getting up and down instead of their typical Northwestern walk it up, score 50 points, and hope you win. Um, trying to score more, shoot a lot, shoot a lot of threes, and get that transition going. But yeah, Northwestern wild card, uh, I'll say 11th in the Big Ten. We'll, we'll settle up that at, at the moment. All right, and with that, I'm going to go and I'm just going to throw out you right now. My favorite team to win the Big Ten, really, bar none, I've seen in some in the pre- preseason stuff. You know, teams are picking or people are picking Michigan. 
I'm sorry they lost an awful lot and they've got some good stuff coming in, but until I see it on the floor like this team, uh-uh. Purdue. Purdue is the is the best team in the Big Ten. You know, they got upset last year in the tournament. Was that Ohio? North that? Texas. North Texas that beat them. Mean Green. Yeah. Um, but talk about a team that's got a great mix of savvy veterans, some young players that did a really good job last year. They're a typical huge Purdue team. <laughs> I mean, they bring a 7-12 guy off the bench or whatever. Um, Edie. Edie, what is he, like 7-3, seven, 7-4? Seven, so I, I mean, he's, he's a beast. Yeah, he, they, can, they can go with he and Williams, who is an absolute load in the paint, who can shoot the ball a little bit. Um, who's a double double machine? It's a great basketball. I mean, you look at their starting lineup. You know, maybe not great at the point guard. They didn't really necessarily facilitate Hunter's as much to the point bad. guard. Hunter not bad though. Didn't have too many assists late in the season last year, but they kind of started to facilitate a little bit through more through Jaden Ivy, who's a fantastic two guard, great defender, great athlete. Not a super great. He's not a shooter, shooter um, for sure. But, uh, you know, a guy that just, um, you know, can score the basketball, can take the game over um, at that kind of that two-guard spot. You got, you know, really, it's not a it's not a traditional great shooting Purdue team, I would say. You got Stefanovic, who, you know, can shoot. You know, he kind of came down with COVID midseason last year and was never quite the same after that. He was really their most consistent threat to hit the three ball. Um, he's going to have to be that again because... You know teams are going to pack the paint against Purdue, um, and which is going to make it a little bit harder to slash, you know, slash too. So they're going to have to find a shooter. I think that's the one thing is they're going to have to settle through that. Um, you got another guy, power forward, a little bit undersized, but Mason Gillis. I mean, um, really good shooter inside the arc. You know, really good rebounder. Purdue's going to be a fantastic defensive team, so they're going to be able to win with defense. And then you got obviously Trayvon Williams. 6'10", 6'11". I mean, he was an absolute force last year. He's been a force. He's only getting better. He's only getting more skilled. I mean, he can score over both shoulders. Um, You know, in a league full of good big men, my money's on him as the best. You know, and and he's a great passer as well, which is great. You know, we watched Michigan State blew a big lead against Purdue, and, and he took it over late in that game. You know, making big plays, got a nose for the ball. I just think, you know, Matt Painter's a good coach. Is Purdue Final Four ready? Yeah, maybe. I think they got a chance. I mean, they've been kind of snake bit in their opportunities to be that over the years. Um, you know, notably the the kind of the shocker against UVA a couple of years ago when they really had a chance to get to the Final Four that year. Um, you know, I think that they've got the pieces and the parts and the horses you know, you've got um, a handful of other guys like Brandon Newman, Isaiah Thompson coming off the bench. Um, you know, last year they went pretty deep. You had Aaron, Aaron Wheeler did transfer to St. John's. Um, but, you know, Painter added a couple of four-star recruits as well. He's, mm-hmm. you know, he's a kind of a sneaky good recruiter. Um, Edie, we talked about, he's 7-4. Um you know, I mean, if you pair him with Williams, I mean, that's that's an unstoppable Very tandem. Dangerous. So I think the key for Purdue is really to find a consistent three-point shooter. If they can shoot the ball a little bit with the other skills that they have, I mean, they could be really, really good. Um, and like I said, I they're, they're my preseason favorite right now to finish first in the Big Ten. I don't know if I have Indiana or not. I think Ryan does, but I think Indiana is going to be a team that people have pegged for mid-tier that's going to 
make a, a run at things. Um, Purdue, Indiana could be really interesting this year for the first time in a long time. Um, you know, they got uh, a couple guys coming in. <coughs> um, Trey Kaufman Wren, Caleb First, First is good. Um, both good. top 75 recruits. Kaufman Wren, 6'9", Indiana Player of the Year. Um, you know, and was was actually no runner up, in fact, actually to for Indiana Mr. Basketball last year. So, first took Blackhawk Christian. Some guys will remember a Michigan State player from Blackhawk Christian, Ryan Russell Bird. Russell Bird, Mister. When the lights go on, I can't shoot anymore. Um, so maybe those are a couple guys that can score a little bit um, and and do some things to stretch the floor for Purdue a little bit. Get guys out of the paint. Um, you know, schedule-wise, kind of taking a look at it, you know, I think that there's a good mix of games that will be decisive victories, but there's some good challenges in there. Um, you know, they're going to play Indiana State. They've got Wright State. Those are a couple of good, um, you know, mid-major teams. Um, they're playing the Hall of Fame tip-off classic. They've, um, they'll either take on Villanova or Tennessee. They're going to play North Carolina for the first time since 1999. Um, you know, they've got Florida State in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Florida State's been a dangerous team. They've got NC State. They've got Butler in the Crossroads Classic, which is a great day of basketball with Indiana, Purdue, Butler, and Notre Dame every year. Always worth watching that. Um, obviously, the Big Ten is great. Um, you know, I, I think you've got – I think Purdue is what? Their top – 10 for sure, yeah, right? Preseason top 10. top 10. Um, again, I don't have the same schedule look up in front of me in terms of who they only play once versus twice, but I think, um, you know, Ohio's t- matchups with Ohio State, Maryland are going to be big. You know, they close the season in West Lafayette against Indiana. Um, you know, Indiana has not beaten Purdue in an age. I think that rivalry is going to get a lot better. I think, I think the Big Ten is going to be an absolute blast to watch there's going to be some nobody's going to run away with it i think teams are going to beat up on each other a little bit and it's going to be a a a big race but i do i have purdue pegged for for winning this thing at this point in time yeah purdue they they have a pretty good schedule i mean they play tough teams we'll see early what they're really made of um which would be cool the good news is michigan state does not have to go to mackey that's all I'm going to say. Oh, yeah. Mackey is a house of horrors for Michigan State since, really. I mean, what, a couple games stick out to me. I think Denzel, maybe we got to win with him. I think one game that really sticks out to me is 1998, which was the, like the arrival game for Michigan State's run when they went in there and stole a game against a highly ranked Purdue team. And that set the tone for the first of those four Big Ten championships in a row. But, yeah, otherwise, get me away from Mackey. I've heard... Our boy Polo has been on the podcast that is probably the toughest place to play in the Big Ten. It's just like it's cement on the bottom and metal on the top, and it's just loud. It's obnoxious, and, man, Purdue is good. So, yes, they are. Yeah, that's my take on Purdue. So that's our five spots around the world. Like I said, the next, the fourth and fifth spots over the next few weeks, we'll continue to, to walk through the rest of the Big Ten, give you a little bit of synopsis of what to expect because that will start to blend in with football here and right soon. Yeah. All right, Ryan, <laughs> take us excuse me, to the two-minute drill and our pick'em contest. Yep. Uh, last week, uh, we both went five and six. Very bad week for both of us. Went away from our original yeah, gut feels. Uh, yeah. I'm 77, 18. You're 74, and 21. Week eight, here we go. Um, Northwestern, Michigan. Uh, I, I think it'll be decently close, competitive. Michigan's going to win. 
Yeah, I think Michigan will win. I mean, they're coming off of a bye week. You know, they're probably going to have a little bit of an eye ahead, although they would tell you Michigan State doesn't matter to them, but you know it sure does. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm going to go with Michigan in that game as well. Illinois, Penn State, this one's not going to be close. Penn State's going to take care of them, even without, maybe without Sean Clifford. Yeah, I was going to say, even without Clifford, I think, uh, and that is at Penn State as well. So, yeah, yeah. I don't think uh, Illinois has a shot in that game. Uh, Wisconsin-Purdue, uh, this one could be interesting. Um, I'm going to go with the Boilermakers. They're hot. Wisconsin's kind of not been great this year. Uh, Purdue's going to get the win here. Um Stay in tied for first or whatever the heck there. The yeah, here's the thing: is Wisconsin's a great run defense. They're an okay pass defense. Purdue doesn't have a running game right now. I don't think they can sustain playing three quarterbacks uh, for another game. But man, if if David Bell gets loose again, uh, yeah, I think I, I'm going to go with that too. I'm I'm going to pull uh, probably well. Purdue's ranked now, um, so it wouldn't necessarily be an upset. But I'm going to call a little bit of an upset there with Purdue beating Wisconsin. Maryland, Minnesota. <laughs> um, you know, I think Maryland, I think they lost their swagger in that Iowa game. Um, showed it against Ohio State a couple weeks ago, then had a bye this past week. Minnesota's looking good uh, on their third string running back and still putting up good numbers. Minnesota. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with Minnesota as well. It's at home. Minnesota plays well there at, now it's Huntington Bank Field, I think, right? Or something yeah, like that? Or? Yeah, I think so. Some some Michigan Bank field is what it is. It used to be TCF Bank field or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. I think uh, Minnesota's got things going right since they took that one on the chin um, against Bowling Green. Ohio State, Indiana, uh, 7-3 on ABC. Um, Indiana's played Ohio State really well at Indiana um, for a long time. Close game close. last year, too. Yeah, uh, but I, I just don't think that there's a chance that Indiana wins this game. Uh, they're kind of licking their wounds. Um, yeah, Ohio State's another at, top fifth game against a top ten team. Indiana's yeah, they, just had a brutal schedule. Yeah, there's no way. They, yeah, and I, I don't know. Even if Pinnock goes, you know, he's been week to week. But I, I, is he going to be the same? No. And I think it's going to take him to win. I just don't think Indiana's got the horses on offense. I mean, if if they had a pulse on offense last week, they probably you know, maybe rightfully should have beaten Michigan State. Their defense, I think, can can maybe slow Ohio State down a little bit, but Ohio State's rounding into form, and that's going to be a that's dud of scary. a seven. That's going to be yeah. a dud of a seven thirty game for ABC. Uh, Oklahoma State, <laughs> Iowa State. Uh, Iowa State's favored in this one. Is at it's in uh, really even though Oklahoma whatever. State's undefeated. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Um, Iowa State at home, uh, but I'm going to go with the the Cowboys. I mean, their defense is proven to be one of the better team ones in America. Um, I think they take care of them. Yeah, I mean, I think Iowa State, I'm going to guess Vegas has them favored because they're kind of floating back up to the radar a little bit. They're coming back to the top of the water after just getting kind of submerged against, you know, Iowa. They got pounded, and then they lost uh, another game in there. They, you know, came came out of the gates with all these hopes and expectations. I think now they're able to get to kind of where they feel more comfortable playing. Uh, it's at Iowa State. Boy, I gotta I gotta find a way to kind of get some separation or catch up a little bit. So I'm gonna go with that. I'm gonna go with Vegas's hunch, and I'm gonna go with Iowa State there. All right, Clemson Pitt. Clemson sucks. Pitt's gonna win. Their offense has been really good. <laughs> Where is that game? You know, I think it's at Pitt. Pitt only lost to Western Michigan, who put up 64 points last week. Um, you know, they got a guy that's kind of quietly entering into the Heisman talk a little bit. It's a, it's the, it's the guy du jour lately because there's no clear front runner, which makes it fun. Um, yeah, I mean, 
Pitt needs, you know, Dauber would attest to that. Doozy's been there seven years, and he's never ended the season in the top 25. Pitt needs a marquee win, even if Clemson's not the same Clemson that they've been. This is a huge game for Pitt. Uh, Clemson just can't score. I mean, anybody who who has an over-under on them of, like, 30, it's nuts. Or if they get favored by 14, like, how are they going to do that? They barely can score 14 points. I'm going to go with Pitt in this one, too. Uh, classic rivalry, Notre Dame-USC. Um, both teams kind of reeling a little bit. Notre Dame's got a chance for the playoffs, so they have a high, yeah, pretty high percentage. They're, they're not. Is There's what no, the athletic they no is chance. saying. They have no chance. Uh, but I think Notre Dame wins this game. I, USC is nothing to me. Yeah, and USC, without any direction, they're kind of listless, lifeless. I mean, it's a rivalry game. They're going to want to beat Notre Dame. You know, Notre Dame's lost a little bit of that home luster after Cincinnati took it to him a few weeks ago. But, yeah, I got Notre Dame here as well. Three NFL games now, Titans-Kansas City. Uh, after watching the Titans last night, um, I, they're going to run all over Kansas City's worst-ranked defense in the NFL, Titans. I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I like how they're playing on offense right now, and it's going to be a it's going to be a, a high-scoring affair. Take the over. I don't even know why we're picking this game. Detroit versus the Los Angeles Rams, former quarterback Matthew Stafford. This game might be a hundred to nothing Rams <laughs> at the end of it. No chance. The Lions have zero chance to win this game. And when I say zero chance, I mean it might be negative. Actually, I I don't know. There's no chance they 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 might not even score. I don't know what the line is, but it's got to be around twenty. I mean, there's that doesn't happen much in the NFL, but that's the difference. There's a chasm between the two. The Lions, the Giants, the Jags, the Jets are the worst teams in football, and the Lions are worse than the Lions all of are them. The worst, yeah. And the Jets, <laughs> I mean, excuse me, the Giants got absolutely throttled last week um, by the Rams. No way. Lions lose this game by at least at least 24 points. Yeah, I'm trying to find a line on that game. Can't find it. But um, last game of the week uh, Bears versus Buccaneers. Um, Bears have looked okay, um, but I think the Buccaneers are much better than them, so I'll go with the Bucks. Yeah, i got to go with the Bucks too. All right, that's it for this week. Sprint time. All right, sprint time. We're going a little bit longer because we had lots of stuff to talk about. Told you it would be a full pod for today, so hopefully uh, guys like Chris, who put us on a lot of time in the car, hopefully we'll get you through for your from your drive from spot A to spot B. Sprint, all right, Ryan, number one, do you care that the NBA starts today? No, I, I hate the NBA. Sox, Strohs, Dodgers, Braves, who you got? Uh, for each series nope. or for to, to win, win it, it all. all? I'm going to go with the Braves. I've watched them the last few games. They, they're impressive to me. Uh, lots of big bats. All right, a little trickier one. Define Heisman winner. I mean, like, define... Who the award goes to in your mind? In my mind, it should go to the best player in college football, a guy that dominates college football. Uh, it should, I mean, I think winning a lot of times nowadays goes into it. But, I mean, you look at a Lamar Jackson. He won it by a landslide in 2016, I believe it was, or whatever, 2017. And he was on a team that went 9-3 or 10-2, and uh, wasn't really in the playoff discussion at the end of the year. So I think it's whoever's dominating the most, puts up big numbers, um, and it does it consistently, not a guy that does it twice, and then they're like, oh, he's he plays for Alabama, so he's going to win it. Right. Consistency. And anticipation of the bummer noon Michigan State-Michigan game, best morning tailgate drink. 
more odds. I don't. It doesn't matter what time of the day it is. The best tailgate drinks are Miller Lite. <laughs> I love it. All right. Do I care that the NBA starts today? No. Hate the NBA. Follow a little bit about what Michigan State guys like X and Jaron and um, you know Day Day do, but I could give two you know what's about the NBA. Never have. Uh, Sox, Strohs, Dodgers, Braves. I'm gonna have to go with the Red Sox. Three grand slams in two games. But Braves, Red Sox, I think at this point in time, looks like it's what it's going to be, yeah. and that could be a heck of a series. I mean, what, that stat that, Ryan, you threw out, that three of the Braves infielders have 30-plus home runs this year and one has 26. I mean, that's sick. Um, Define Heisman winner, totally agree. It's the best player in college football. Not the best player on the best winning team. Not the best player on the team that's the sexiest because ESPN says so. It's the best player in college football. Now, does it help if you win? Sure, because you get talked about more, but that shouldn't matter. It's the best player in college football. Get it right. Be consistent. And best morning tailgate drink. Can't argue really very much with the Miller Lite, but I got to go with the spicy Bloody Mary, two garlic dill pickles, please and thank you. All right, Ryan, give us a little bit of a a wrap and a... um, Social media shout out. Yep. Uh, follow us on Twitter. You know what our tag is. I don't need to tell you again. I've said it 43 times now. 43 episodes. Crazy. Um, yeah. Um, just looking forward to college hoops coming up. So excited for that. Um, college football is getting real hot. NFL as well. Um, then MLB playoffs. I don't even care about it. I've been watching it a little bit. Um, but yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Um Send us sprint questions. I mean, we kind of got our what we got going on for the next couple weeks, uh, what we did today, basically. Um, so, but yeah, if you got any fun <clears throat> sprint questions, I'm always thinking of those on the fly, <clears throat> right before the podcast these days. So, yeah. if you got some salty stuff to share with us, uh, or that you want us to share with you, do let us know. Yeah. All right. A um, little shout out to our presenting sponsor, Team Anders Realtors. Uh, cteamanders.com for all of your West Michigan real estate needs. Shout out to them. Thank you for your support of the program. Meantime, as Tom Izzo so aptly put and so accurately defines our society today, we are in the trophy generation. Give them a trophy for 23rd place. That's what's going to make the parents happy. <laughs>